Welcome to the Modern Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Gavin Meenan, and this podcast is all about helping men to become unstuck in their lives and inspire and encourage them to move forward towards a life of strength, confidence, and inner fulfillment. So without further ado, here is today's episode. I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to episode number 38 of the Modern Warrior podcast. Today, I am absolutely psyched to have Trevor Bohm with me. Trevor is an ex-bodyguard and ex-professional MMA fighter turned founder and leader of the uncivilized nation and i cannot wait to get stuck into that and what and find out what that is all about he's also published two books one called today i rise and most recently man uncivilized trevor how are you doing my man quite well sir thank you for having me on absolute pleasure so let's get stuck into this and for me when i came across your page i seen the uncivilized nation helping men become uncivilized in a civilized world so my first question was okay why do we need uncivilized men in a civilized Mm -hmm. world what's the reason for that i can probably list 50 statistics, right? So guys are more logical than we are emotional. Yet we can look at a set of statistics, and this is any negative statistic that doesn't have to do with breasts or ovaries, and men are at the top of it. Suicide rates, we win. Addiction rates, we win. Violence, we win. Obesity, homelessness, prison, you, you name whatever the issue is. And quote, civilized men are at the top of it. Mm-hmm. And so my idea when this all came about was, I don't want to end up like that. I don't want to be plugged into a program that someday kicks me out of the program as one of those statistics. And I thought, it's inevitable, right? This is, this is just the way the world works. You, you enter the machine, you get kicked out of the machine, and here you are. And, and truly, Gavin, this all came about I was living in Brooklyn at the time and uh, had not like very little interest in men's work, but had this idea just to throw a men's meeting, right? This was right in the middle of Me Too all happening. So New York City especially was just a shit show for men. And I was like, I'm going to have a men's meeting. So I like marketed this. I put it on Meetup, on Facebook, on like all these places. I lived in this giant building and had a little conference center that we could use. And I'm like, oh, fucking excited, right? I go downstairs, bust the door open, thinking there's going to be like a thousand men, right? And there's one dude, there's this one guy. And I was like, okay, here we go. And so long story short, that guy was not there for a men's meeting. That guy was there because I used to own a gym and had done a lot of social media around uh, fitness and weight loss. And he just wanted to lose weight. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's talk about weight loss. Uh, And so we're talking and he's telling me that his biggest challenge in life is this is what I'm up against, man. He loves McDonald's burritos. 
That's what I'm up against, right? Four years of me- of grad school studying Chinese medicine, thousands of clients, pe- helping people lose thousands and thousands of pounds. This motherfucker can't not go to McDonald's. So anyway, we we talk, we get him, we get him off of that, and get him a, a new path really quick. I start, I go upstairs and I talk to my roommate at the time, who's a, a guy who works with NBA players, so really really deep in the fitness world, and. I just kind of like, I'm so frustrated. Like this guy just wanted to lose weight. He didn't give a shit about men's issues, blah, blah, blah. And then my buddy and I actually had a really insightful conversation. Something came up about a relationship and our relationship to our fathers. And we had like a, just a very deep conversation. And the next morning I get up around five and go downstairs. To, we we're about to go downstairs to work out because he had this extraordinary gym in the bottom of this building. And he stops me and he's like, Hey, when just out of curiosity, when was the last time you ate McDonald's? And I thought about it and I was like, man, first of all, it's probably been like 25 years. And I said, I don't eat that shit. That's civilian food. And I swear to God, my, he took his phone out five o'clock in the morning and starts filming me. And he's like, what do you, what do you mean civilian food? And I said, brother, take a look at this apartment. We are two very successful single men in our forties. We don't have a, or I think it was in my late thirties at the time. There's no television in this house. There's no alcohol in this house. There's no drugs in this house. It's five o'clock in the fucking morning. We're about to go downstairs and throw ourselves down, you know, like on a weight pile. We're going to get after it. We spent the evening having a very conscious conversation about relationships with women and relationship with our fathers. This is not how civilized men live. And I don't want to live like that because I don't want the results that civilized living gives you. And he he was like, okay. And we went downstairs and and worked out. And the whole time that word was in my head. It was like gnawing at me and eating at me of, fuck, this is the problem. We don't need to civilize men. We need to actually uncivilize them. We, the pendulum has swung too far. We have guys who are uninspired and don't know their purpose, don't know why they're here, don't feel like they have a place in the world as part A. Part B, they have no connection to anything bigger than themselves. They have no connection to emotion. They have no connection to consciousness. They're fucking terrified of relationships and intimacy. Right. That is, a, that is the, the, the challenge. And so why do we need to answer your specific question? Because look at the results we're getting. Look at the standard track. And I don't want to tell people that like, oh, I'm elevated above this. And suddenly these problems don't affect me or they didn't affect me. Right. I went through my own issues with alcohol, with drugs, with porn, with a divorce, with a miscarriage, with all kinds of shit that men have to deal with. But that shit became the catalyst for me looking at my life and going, I don't want this. I don't want what has been sold to me. I don't want to check the boxes that everyone said, hey, when you get this, you'll be happy. When you get this, you'll be happy. I was like, fuck, I checked all the boxes. I'm still drinking five nights a week, smoking all day, jerking off four times a day, working out three times a day, trying to start five businesses, can't talk to people, don't sleep. Like, I, I what is going on? So I hope I, I just feel like I just ranted, uh, which was going to happen sometimes, but Irrelevant. I feel like, why do we need to uncivilize men? Because look at what we're doing to the world. Look at what we're doing to women. Look at what we're doing to each other. 
And most importantly, look at what we do to ourselves, right? Like that's why we have to shift this, this entire thing. Yeah. And, and here, was the, here was the beauty of it. I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, I, a month ago, I was an acupuncturist. I owned a gym. Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And I threw this out on social media and boom, my life changed forever because not just men, but men and women were like, this is what we've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. I don't want to just be a pretend Navy SEAL at a workshop all weekend because I don't know how to do anything powerful. I also don't want to become some hippie, new age, vegan, feminist, poet, like yogi, because that's the only other option I have as a man. It's either like go left or go right. Like what about the middle? And so that's why I think we need this because men need to, we have testosterone. We need to be on purpose. We need to feel like we, we belong somewhere. We need to feel like we're protecting people we love. We need to feel like we can build the life we want. That's the primal side. But then, man, we got to get in touch with our emotions. And I know guys right now are like, fuck this guy. <laughs> we don't have to get in touch with our emotions. Okay, cool. Then if we don't, show me the statistics around mental health that are good. And I'll show you someone who's actually done the work to get in touch with his emotions and his, his pain. Mm-hmm. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Big time, man. As I said, a very relevant. Okay. And, uh, yeah. yeah. For yourself though, what was the, the catalyst for change within all that? Because like myself, you've obviously gone through pain and, and struggle and, and suffering. And I think you need to, there needs to be a, a certain element of pain in your life in order to create a change. And of course, this is a huge change for you. As you mentioned, it sounds like you were quite successful in your business. You had a, a CrossFit gym, you were an acupuncturist. So what made you turn all this around and, and become a leader of men? What was, what was the catalyst of change for you in all this? The catalyst was what it's, it sounds so cliche you know, years later, like I lost everything. My ex-wife was pregnant. She lost the pregnancy. She told me that that was the universe's way of telling her that she needed to leave our marriage. So she just walked out one day and then literally the next morning, my business partnership came apart for completely separate reasons, completely separate person. And so I, I woke up one day having very shortly before been like, man, I'm living the dream to holy fuck. I'm getting my face rubbed in dog shit on rock bottom. (laughs) This is not where I thought I was going to be at 39 years of age. But the beauty of it was it was so much pain and so much loss that I couldn't avoid it. I couldn't out drink it. I could not smoke it. I could not fuck it. I could not run it. I could not jerk. I couldn't get away from it in any way. It was too big. Did you try and do all those things before you? No, this is the weird thing. I I swear to God, that was my normal MO up till that point, right? Something wrong happened. Yeah. Have a couple beers, something I was getting a fight with my wife, smoke a joint, right? Like that was my MO. And I remember like an hour after she had left, so I'm literally sitting in my house alone be like, what the fuck just happened? And thinking, like actually not thinking, hearing this weird little voice 
say, your life's about to become really awful. And if you can get through it and get through it the right way, it will be the doorway into the life you've always wanted to live. And I went, okay, that sounds insane. I'll try it. And literally, I did not have a drink from that point forward. I went to the, I walked to the garage, took all the alcohol, dumped it, took all the weed I had in the house, flushed it, right? Called a therapist right there. I was like, I think I'm about to fall off a cliff and I may need some help here. Like it, it hadn't hit yet. That makes sense. Like I hadn't, it wasn't real yet, but I knew what was coming. And so, and had the voice of whatever that was that said, like, don't you waste one ounce of this pain. This pain is actually the new drug for you. It's going to reorganize your life. It's going to reorganize your DNA. It's going to make you think things that you never did before and believe things that you never have before and question everything that you've ever been taught. Now, I, I want you to know, like, I'm a normal dude. Like, at this point, like, I love deadlifting. I love surfing. I love boobs. Like, I'm not a yogi. I'm not a, like, I have no idea what the fuck is going on. But somehow this is the information that was coming in. It's like, you know what? Let me run with it. Maybe this is a giant opportunity. Mm-hmm. Because I knew, man, like I knew I drank too much. I knew I smoked too much dope. I knew my life, even though it looked good on paper, wasn't the way I wanted it. And so I had this gnawing feeling that like this was the catalyst. But I couldn't go from A to B I couldn't just drink for six months and then wake up and be like, no, I have this brand new life, right? I couldn't just like put my head in the sand. I was actually going to have to feel it. Yeah. Powerful, man. That's very strong. And like, do do you feel as well that somehow your wife and your business were masking some underlying pain or trauma that you hadn't dealt with as well? And these are some somewhat of a deterrent from actually tapping into your own emotional struggle because as you mentioned you did drink a lot you smoked weed yeah. you, you watched yeah. a lot of porn so look there was a reason for that so yeah did the absence of of your wife and the breakdown of the of the relationship in your business did this somewhat expose all of those uh vulnerabilities and insecurities and and pain that you had been locking up inside is that what do you feel for, sh- for sure Yeah, I can look at it now. You know, this was five, six years ago that my ego created that life. Like running a CrossFit gym was was sexy back then. And it was really easy. You got to wear board shorts and no shirt all day at work and like work out and I could come and go as I pleased. My ex-wife was was a ex-model. So even though we didn't connect emotionally, she was beautiful. So everywhere I went, people staring at her. My ego is like, this is the best. This is what I've always wanted. But there was nothing underneath it, right? So underneath the business was this desire to write that I could, I, I just didn't get to do. Underneath my marriage was this desire for actual connection with a human, not just someone who was pretty, but I didn't know how to get that. So like my heart and my soul were just empty. My ego was on cloud nine. And so when it all crashed down, I remember thinking, and not only thinking this, Gavin, here was the advice that I got, right? So I have this gym of 300 people. 
People were like, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Go open another business in the next town and half of us will come with you. You know, a lot of women go start dating someone else and get married and have another kid. You have a kid. You can, you can literally quote, replace everything that you've lost in six months to a year. And, and honestly, man, I remember thinking, okay, if I do that, I will be right back here three years later. Cause this isn't, there's no stability. I'm going to, I'm going to fumble the words on how to describe this. There was no foundation underneath it. It wasn't real, right? It was like, this wasn't the path that I was supposed to be on. When my business partnership split, God bless him because he was like, you don't want to run a gym. You want to write. You keep talking about writing books. You keep talking about workshops. You keep talking about like traveling the world and teaching. Like that's not what you get to do as a gym owner. So stop pretending that this is what you want to do. And even though that was traumatizing in the moment to be like, oh, fuck, now I, now I don't have anything. It really created the space for me to do what I do now, which my heart and soul are fully into. And sure, is my ego like the fact that people do this? Yeah, but it's not important. It's like, I, I know how fleeting all that stuff is. Mm-hmm. And again, this is why it sounds like a cliche, right? You talk to anybody who has money and they're like, the best thing you can do is get money because then you realize that like money doesn't change anything. Talk to someone with a beautiful wife and they're like, trust me, she's still a pain in the ass a lot of the time. You talk to anybody who's quote, checked the boxes that society has said that you're supposed to check. And a lot of times they're like, I hope you get to do this so that you realize that it's not what it's meant. It's not everything that it's cracked up to be. Mm-hmm. And until you know who you are, until you are, you can look in the mirror and be like, I actually really fucking like that guy. I respect him. I appreciate him. I love him. Until you can do that, all the money, all the pussy, all the cars, all the businesses, all the things in the world will not help. They'll help you mask it, right? They'll help you hide behind it. But man, someday it's going to come crashing down. At least that's my experience now after working with thousands and thousands and thousands of men and probably the same number of women. I ask people like, what was the thing that made you shift your life? You know what it is 99% of the time, Gavin, it's loss. It's pain. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I woke up and everything that I thought was true yesterday is no longer true. Now that's a hard day, but that's also a day where the options and the opportunities just got blown wide open, which is even more terrifying. Right. Or terrifying for a lot of people. Like, oh my God, I can do anything I want now. Holy shit, that's scary. Oh my God, now I get to figure out exactly who I am as a human. And for us, the most important question in the world who am I as a man? Now I get to start working on that. And that's scary because it's going to make me let go of everything that the civilized world told me was going to be true when I got these things or told me who I am as a guy. So yeah, it's, it's this wild ride to be on. And, and we can go back to, I, I hope a lot of your listeners aren't experiencing loss, but we're, do, we're guys, we're going to, right? Like every men's group I'm in, like how many of you are going through a divorce? Like half the hands go up. How many of you have gone through a bankruptcy in the last three years? Half the hands go up. 
How many of you are struggling with a sick child, a sick parent, a fucking pandemic, which may or may not be true, like all kinds of stuff happening? How many of you are dealing with that? Every hand goes up. Okay, we're then cool. So we have this thing called loss, this thing called pain. How many of you men were taught how to use that to your advantage? Zero hands go up. How many of you men were told, drink, smoke, fuck, work out, like do whatever you can not to feel that? Every hand goes up. How's that working out for you guys? That's why we're here. <laughs> That's why we're all sitting in a circle in some house in Colorado going, okay, shit, how do we get through this? Yeah. Do you feel, do you feel like you need to go through those experiences in order to reach the the other side or to get to this level and to, and to somewhat be able to park your ego and uh, live a life that's true to you or can that be avoided it's the million dollar question brother <laughs> and question. the answer is no you don't have to but it takes a very special person to look at their life stop take a pause for a minute take a snapshot and go huh this isn't working. That's not working. God, that's the third woman who I've dated who has an issue with alcohol or like it has left me or has cheated on me. Or, oh, well, this is my body doesn't like I'm overweight. I'm out of shape. Like, okay, I'll do the deep dive myself. I'll rip the bandaid off and start going to therapy, hiring a coach, joining men's groups, going to AA maybe. Like I'll, I'll start working on that. Mm -hmm. I'd say that's 5% of the population. And I say that because I can't tell you how many times since starting this five years ago, I've had men and women reach out, women especially, and say like, I'm going to leave him if he doesn't stop drinking. I'm going to leave him if he doesn't X. And then I'll get on the phone with the guy and be like, brother, you're in trouble. Like you're, 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 and he's like, nah, it's not a big deal. She's just upset. Don't worry about it. Or like, ah. Who doesn't have three DUIs, you know, like, yeah, I got fired from my second job, but it's no big deal. And then like two months later, I get the phone call back. I don't know how this happened. I don't know. <laughs> like, I know how it fucking happened. I called you two months ago, told you it was going to happen. Right. So I needed to get punched in the face by life. And I think a lot of us do. I have a good friend in Australia, a guy named Asher Packman. And he says, this is how the universe works. There's the feather, there's the brick, and then there's the freight train. And we all know like, ah, oh, the feather's like, you may not want to keep doing this. And then the brick is like, ah, oh, this is the third time I've been called into HR and my boss is going to fire me. And the freight train is like, okay, I woke up in the middle of the street with cancer, getting divorced with like a car on my chest and a needle in my arm. And okay, 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 okay. I'll go to therapy, right? <laughs> the goal is to start listening to the feathers yeah. <laughs> or at least be like, okay, I hear you brick. Thank you for that. I don't need to fall off a cliff and have my life burned to a ground to the ground before I change. Unfortunately though, the, the, the pride and the ego keeps so that, strong, keeps us on that track where the freight train is about to, about to hit, doesn't it? And it's, uh, like I've, I've been there, man. I can completely relate to everything you're talking about. Right. <laughs> I 
fucking <laughs> drinking and uh, unaddressed trauma and fucking difficulty right. problems and struggles and fucking porn addiction and it's like well did i have to get to that point no but yeah. did i stop to ask myself the questions in terms of what the fuck i was doing no right so of course if you don't ask the questions you're not going to get the answer you're not going to uh, you're not going to build that awareness in terms of what the fuck you're doing to your life and and to those around yeah. you as well so obviously there's um yeah uh, the big issue i think at the moment is that there's so much fucking distraction in the world right now um and mm-hmm. any opportunity that you may want to cultivate for <clears throat> peace or for some alone time if you have your phone in your pocket then Forget about it, and it's 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 almost become part of your body now. So it's yeah. so difficult, and you need it's it's discipline, perhaps that you need to be able to just switch the phone off. And it's something I do every single day. Uh, mm-hmm. The phone is off uh, for a period of time every single day, like switched off, and it's out of sight for that reason. So I can be present with my kids. I can be present with my work. I can be present with myself. So uh, and yeah, everything else can wait. The world can wait let me uh, look after this first so i understand the importance of that but again there is that addictive nature that comes with the phone and uh, the distractions and and the uh, and the addiction to t- attention perhaps as well you know you stick up a post on instagram or facebook or whatever tiktok and you're just mm-hmm. you're just uh, reaping the the dopamine effects of of the the likes and the comments and everything else it's like well look sure. that is fucking futile because None of these people have any bearing on your life. Have uh, they don't know you? Um, it's an absolutely fleeting emotion. It's going to come and go, and because of that, it's it's also addictive because you keep going back to it. And it's like, well, why? Like, why can you not find that within yourself in the real world? Uh, and again, this is relatable to to porn, of course, as well. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, something I'm quite familiar with. But it's understanding that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's in the avoidance of asking those difficult questions that has you uh, has you living this difficult life and and dealing with these difficult issues in your life. So, in that, you actually cultivated twenty eight days of peace and silence and isolation, uh, where you spent twenty eight days in darkness. What the fuck? What was that like? And why? It's a hell of a question. I, I will. The only correction I'll make is say it wasn't peace. Uh, it was. It was mayhem. Um, what part of your life was, was this after the this divorce? Was, or yes. So I got. I found out I was getting divorced in January of 2015, and so I spent that. In, and that's when my business partnership came apart too. So I spent that entire year like just depressed, dealing with lawyers, dealing with like, is this going to happen? Is it not? My ex-wife was kind of back and forth. I was back and forth with my <clears throat> with my business partner of like, do I stay, but do something else? Do I go? And yada, yada. And finally, it was just, let's, both of these relationships need to end. And so in 2016, I created a project called the Year to Live Project. I needed something to do, Gavin. I went from thinking, like preparing for a kid, you know, everything on track for the rest of my life to nothing, to no job, no wife, no kid, no nothing. What the hell am I going to do with myself? And so I wanted to do a year long project to write a book about. 
And a P, and it was literally to answer this question, what would I do if this were my last year alive? Now, a piece of that, I'd started to go to uh, men's workshops. This was completely new for me. And I got turned on to the idea of, of just like the seed was planted. But in this workshop, in one workshop with a guy named uh, Robert Masters, who wrote the book, To Be a Man, <clears throat> it's a great book. I met a guy. And I told him what I was doing. I was like, yeah, I'm doing this year-long project. I'm exploring death. I'm not dying, but it feels like my prior life died. And he looks at me and goes, if you want to experience death without actually dying, you have to do a dark retreat. And I was like, well, what the hell is a dark retreat? And he goes, it's this meditative period where you will be left completely alone in pitch black darkness. And I got chills immediately, right? And I was like, First of all, this sounds insane. Second of all, where do I find one? Uh, and so he just told me a bit. He had done like 180 days broken up into all kinds of sections. He did it in Tibetan monasteries <clears throat> in Tibet. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so I found a place in Guatemala that would do this. And I remember reaching out and saying, I was trying to do 12 one-month things for the, for the year. And so I was like, hey, I want to do this for a month. And they were like, that's crazy. Uh, we recommend people do it for three days. And I was like, nope, I'm, I have a meditation practice. I, I can do this. And so they let me. And so think of this. I know most people right now are like, this is insane. It's bonkers. And it was bonkers, Gavin. It was this hut, this concrete hut, not very big because you don't want a lot of open space. So I could almost touch from side to side with the, my arms outstretched. There was a toilet in this room and there was a really shitty bed that was super uncomfortable. That was it. Everything else was concrete. I had a little meditation mat and a yoga mat as, as like furniture. And the point of it is to go in and then guys hear this. There's zero light ever, 0.0 light ever. I couldn't see my hand ever. Food was brought and put in like a mailbox that I could then like open my side, but it was still dark, you know, and I'd have to eat in the dark. Uh, it is the idea of removing yourself from society and what you just talked about, removing every single distraction for a long ass time and seeing what the hell comes up. So I, I said it was not peaceful. Because I'm in the middle of, I'm still getting divorced in the middle of this. I'm still reeling with heartbreak. I'm still trying to figure out what the hell happened to my life that was supposedly on this great track. And you've mentioned in the middle of a dark retreat, there's no distraction. There's nothing. There's no TV. There's no internet. There's no books. There's no music. There's no nothing. So my mind was like, okay, let's go back and pull up all the shit that you haven't wanted to look at. And you got, you got a month, you got a, nothing but fucking time. So dive in. And so it was hell. It was literal hell where I was crying for days, like screaming, thinking I was insane, thinking people were in the room with me who weren't uh, like having horrible dreams. It was a nightmare truly a nightmare, but yet it was like 20 years of therapy crammed into a month. 
just without someone to actually go, you're doing really great. Keep going. It was just, I was completely on my own to sort through and navigate and caretake and hold and be okay and cry and, and all those things. It was, it was a wild, wild journey. Was there uh, an element of fear there that whatever would come up could have some sort of uh, a negative impact on your life as well? I mean, you went to a pretty dark place, not just in that hut in terms of the, your, your uh, immediate environment, but in a dark place within yourself. And as you mentioned, it was quite, it sounds quite dramatic. So, I mean, yeah. it, it does have some sort of, or would have had, could it have some sort of uh, post-traumatic stress, you know, going through that? Yes. Uh, so as I said, like, I actually, I asked the people after, like, why did you let me go in there for a month when three days was the recommendation? And they said, we wanted to wait and meet you. And when we met you, we felt like you could handle whatever came up. Now, to answer your specific question about fear, and I remember asking them, like, what was it about me? I want to know, like, why did you think I'd be okay? And they just said, we don't know. We just got a sense that you would. I was like, okay, cool. That's the world you guys live in. Uh, so the night I'm about to go in, I've, I've flown to Guatemala. I've taken like a bus, a train, a boat, all the things get to this place out in the middle of nowhere. And I'm eating dinner. It's an ashram. So all these hippies hanging out, eating vegan food and it's nighttime. I've just showed up. I'm in like jeans and a t-shirt. And the guy who runs the place is a German engineer who's found, you know, Kundalini yoga 20 years ago. So is deeply on the spiritual path, but also like very sharp. He's eating and he goes, 28 days, huh? You know, it's not how long that is. It's how wide it is. And he makes like, way, like becomes a character. And I was like, ah, like, why'd you say that? Like, I got super fucking scared. Right? And like this chill run through my body. I was like, ah, like, I want to take like a blanket in there so I can suck my thumb. And then two breaths after he said that, I just closed my eyes and, and got this feeling, you're going to be fine. You're going to go to hell and back but you're going to come out of this. Okay. That was like the sense, right? The, like the whisper again. And again, I don't hear shit. I'm not schizophrenic. And I'm not one of those people that's like, Oh, when I meditate, Jesus comes down and sits with me and tells me everything's great. I'm just not one of those people, but for whatever reason, that was the feeling. And so I also made the, so that was part a part B. Like I remember walking in there thinking like, what else am I going to lose? You know, like I've lost my potential kid, my wife, my business, like what the fuck else are you going to take from me? I don't care. There's a bit of recklessness, I imagine, from having experienced that. I was like almost petulant, mm. like, fuck you. What are you going to do to me? And so that was that was kind of my attitude going in. Uh, and then there was a lot of and I want to say I want to go back to the original sentence was there was just a lot of trust that whatever was supposed to happen was going to happen. And if I went crazy again, so be it. Like what else? Do I, I'm, I'm going to be a crazy person. I'm kind of crazy at, at, like I felt crazy going in right here. I am. I've given up everything that I own. I've thrown my shit in storage. I'm, I'm driving around the world for the year. I'm volunteering in hospice, working with dying people. I'm writing this. I'm making my whole life public for the first time. Like I'm blogging and it's like, I'm already insane. So fuck it. What's one more thing. 
And was there some sort of a get out clause from that hut? Like if you read really a thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope people hear this. Uh, I had access to the door. So like there was a key on my side of the door that I opened the door. I could walk out anytime, day one, anytime, day two, anytime, which I didn't know till afterwards, no one had done a week without walking out at that facility. So they were kind of like, holy shit, he's still in there uh, every day. And every day, Gavin, I would touch the key as a bit of like, this is like a little bit of the old fighter mentality. I was like, you know what? Fuck you, key. I'm not leaving. Whatever happens today, I'm going to get through it. That was my like aggressive nature or primal nature. Like, fuck you guys. Um, I don't know if that sounds, yeah, just, I don't care how it sounds. That's what it was like. It was this very deep, like, and it was constantly changing where I would be like in so much peace and you have like, oh my God, that's why my life has turned out the way it has. This thing happened to me. That's why I became a bodyguard. Like, if you look at my, my CV, I was a lifeguard, then a bodyguard, then a, a health worker, right? Then a fitness worker. Then, then uh, like, I wanted to help people. I wanted to protect people. I wanted to be protected. So some shit had happened to me that I didn't realize had affected my life. And so getting insight into that, I'm like, oh, this is really important. Coupled with like, oh, I think I may be nuts. Like very quickly happening in the same day. And you, the, the, the difficulty is, is that you do have to go pretty deep in terms of understanding why you do what you do today or how you why you behave the way you behave today or, or, or why you have these issues in your life today like the issues in your life today are didn't come today they came from perhaps an experience in the past that you haven't addressed or haven't processed or haven't somewhat let go of or somebody you haven't mm-hmm. forgiven or some traumatic experience that you haven't dealt with properly so yeah you've, you've got to go deep and as I'm sure you've experienced, you had to go right back to your childhood and your experiences there and the environment you're in and your parents and family and this experience and that instant and the the pain associated with this. And as I said, all this, um, all, all the things that you had perhaps forgotten about, but, you know, voluntarily forgot about as well and and pushed down because pain that was attached to it. But that is the, and I always like the, the line I always say is like you've got to you've got to go back in order to move forward in your life and address some of those wounds as you have done as I have done and anybody who's gone through a period of growth or progression in their life so like that is the underlying message I feel underneath all this is yeah you know go deeper than yourself and it, yeah it's it's quite an overwhelming process you don't need to spend 28 days in darkness to go there but you don't and I don't recommend it. Like I, I recommend people go to therapy and it was a hard day. So hear this. I feel like I'm a relatively intelligent person. I had spent four years studying medicine. I had a master's degree. And yet it wasn't until a year later, two years later that I made this discovery, which a lot of people may be like, oh my God, he was just a dumbass. But a lot of men still haven't really gotten things that happened to us in our past still inform us today. Like that day was like, oh my God. I would have told you my childhood was great. I had no trauma. Nothing happened to me. 
because I was looking for the like, nobody killed my dad. Nobody raped me. Nobody beat me up and left me by the side of the road. Like no, that stuff didn't happen to me. So I would have told you like I'm zero trauma whatsoever. But then sitting in that room going, oh, wow, a lot of shit happened. A lot of shit happened. Not the big stuff like that, but enough of the medium and the small traumas that were still literally pulling the strings on my behavior. Why I chose jobs, why I chose geography, places to live, why I chose partners and girlfriends, why I chose what I did for a living. All of that wasn't authentic. It was still coming from that wounded place. And so that's what I'm hoping also with, that's to me the civilized way of living is to not actually deal with your trauma and let it still fuck with you. But you have to go through this period of, of reckoning to get to a place of reclamation. You're like, okay, now I know why I do what I do in the world. And sure, is it completely uninformed by my past? No, I don't, I don't think anybody ever gets to that. Maybe the Dalai Lama or Jesus or someone else who's like fully fucking enlightened. But for most humans, things that happen to you will still inform what you do. Or they happen to you as a portal for you to get into what you're going to do, right? I grew up with a very angry feminist mother, two very angry feminist older sisters. What do I do for a living? I run a men's organization. I can't tell you that like, no, 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 those have nothing to do with each other. It's just circumstance, right? I know people, a good friend of mine, his daughter committed suicide. What does he do now? He advises parents who've lost children, right? Like you, you, he didn't just pick that out of the hat. I know 50 guys who have taken what's happened to them and you don't have to do this, but they've chosen to and said, wow, that's really informative. Hmm. How do I use this to live a life that gives me more of a feeling of purpose? Right. I, I think that's really true. I think for so many people, especially us men who are looking for a mission or looking for purpose and are like, God, I just don't know. It's like, what have you overcome? Teach other people to overcome the same thing that you've overcome. Then you, see how you feel doing it. 99% of people are like, wow, this feels really good. And you know what I'm an expert at? I'm an expert at all the shit that's happened to me and how I got through it. So are you. Mm -hmm. So is everybody on this call listening, but they have to stop and say, okay, what are the ways that I'm numbing myself? What are the ways that I'm dissociating? What are the ways that I'm pretending that this didn't happen? How, what am I using to get through the day? And man, I don't care if people drink. I don't care if people smoke pot. I don't care if people look at porn. If, if it's conscious, if they're not hiding behind it, Right. If they're saying like, cool, you know what? Once a week I go out and have a couple of beers with the guys. It's great. I'm like, cool. Tell me about your life. Is it, is it the way you want it? Do you fall asleep easy at night? Is your conscience clear? Is your, is your relationship conscious? Are you having beautiful, intimate conversations? Are you, are you triggered as fuck all day long? Are you angry at people? Are you angry at yourself? Are you angry at your parents? Then man, you got some work to do. And you're going to find that your life, your day-to-day -day life is so much better, so much more peaceful. You will make more money. You will, you will be better in the gym. You will be better in bed when you've dealt with your shit. That's the thing no one fucking told me. 
What they told me was have a six pack and 8% body fat, make six, six figures, right? And have a beautiful wife and your life will be happy. And I was like, well, shit, I got all three of these and I'm pretty damn miserable and I won't even admit it. Why? Because I want to be a writer. And that's a scary thing to say in the world as someone who's never written anything. I want to help people. I want to teach people. I want to help people look at what's inside of them and create a different life for themselves. That was terrifying. I couldn't say that. I literally couldn't say that in my old business, even though I knew it. But it was buried underneath the booze, the pot, the porn, the exercise, the businesses, the insomnia. It was buried. And I think it is for so many guys as well. And when you you said it, like, if you can just stop, stop the endless distractions and take a breath and go, wow, I don't really want what I have. Okay, now I have to go down a journey. Man, I have to let go of everything. I have to grieve the life I thought I was going to live. I have to grieve what I thought I was going to have. And then I have to take this super courageous step out into the abyss, which is, I don't know if this is going to work. Right? Like, what if no one reads my shit? (laughs) What if people tell me I'm a terrible writer? Well, so be it. How's your heart? Feel good? Okay, cool. Then keep fucking writing. It'll come. Keep building buildings. Keep painting. Keep keep doing whatever the thing is that you want to do. And I think so many men, Gavin, are, are, are hurting because they've been sold one thing and it's and they bought it. And it's not really what they want. Mm-hmm. And then they're caught in the loop. Of, but like, but my Instagram following likes when I put pictures up of this, or, you know, I have a mortgage, my kids are in school. I, like, I can't change. Like all my friends drink, all my friends like football, but I don't like football, but I don't want to lose my, like there's, then there's a whole nother journey to go down. But first is just that place of radical honesty. Is this the life that you want? Like that question is, I get it. It'll fuck your life up. Because if the answer is no, then, then now you have to make some change mm-hmm. and change is scary. Yeah, for sure, man. And I, I think there's a, an underlying sense of, uh, of a lack of, of self-belief as well. For a lot of guys, there's, um, I, I, I have these regular conversations with, with guys who I work with and, and one in particular at the moment, he wants to, to move up in his career. And, you know, at the moment he's sitting in his apartment, doesn't have a job, but he's all these skills and experiences from his past job. And today he was telling me about all the things he wanted to do in terms of progressing with his career. And, you know, I need to do this in order to, to reach a certain level in my life. And uh, actually, and he goes, oh, actually this week, or just a couple of days ago, uh, someone rang me from uh, Qatar uh, over in um, the Arab Emirates. And, uh, yeah, that off pretty much offered me a, a job in in the area I want to work in, but you know I, I don't think it's I don't think it's the best time to go at the moment because I've got a few <laughs> things coming up, and I'm like, man, you just you've just told me exactly what you wanted and everything you needed right now. You've been handed a job and you've, you're literally turning it down. I'm like, why? And as I said as the conversation went on we went a little bit deeper it's he just doesn't believe in himself and i said well look that that uh that lack lack of self-belief 
wasn't put there by accident that is coming from mm -hmm. your peers or teachers or parents or people in your past mm -hmm. uh, flawed individuals who had their own insecurities problems so why give them the right over over your life today um and of course he went into a bit a, a bit deeper and, and he understood it for what it was mm -hmm. then and uh he's pursuing with it now but you know that's a big thing as well like a lot of guys as you said want to make this change a lot of guys know they can do better but there is yeah. a little niggle and perhaps as well as attached to their ego and pride as well that's you know that how yeah. uh, do i fail and mm. away and, I, and i take on this job and this new life and it doesn't work out and i come back home with my tail between my legs what are people going to think what are yeah. people going to say what am i going to think about myself and um and again of course that's linked to your uh your infatuation with what everyone else thinks of you and, and their opinions which again is all linked to your experience yeah. in the past teachers pointing fingers at you parents yeah. setting expectations for you that perhaps you didn't meet and understanding that look none of this really matters um but it's having a, a massive influence on your on your life today yeah. so this is the this is where you need to go in order to move forward i mean you've got to go back yeah. and and understand the source of your of your lack of self-belief or the source of your uh, of your pain or struggle at the moment so um yeah it's having those more meaningful conversations really isn't it and i think um one line you've used before i've heard you use it is that we ha at the moment we have an epidemic of unexpressed pain so express it get it out there um but if, as i said maybe do it in a safe environment where there isn't a fear yeah. judged by others perhaps yeah, do it skillfully this is what we don't get taught Right. Um, I just interviewed Stephen Jenkinson. Do you know that name? Of course. He's a, a yeah. huge teacher. He he worked in palliative care and death for decades. Okay. So just a cr just crazy stories of dealing with people who are dying. Um. And he was talking about dealing with what is like what is true right now, what is actually true. Right. And, and do any of these people and any of their opinions and any of their thoughts about you get to come with you when you die? No, they don't. They don't. And he, he was saying with men, especially, he's like, men don't have an anger problem. We're really actually good at it. We're really good at getting angry. We get celebrated for getting angry. Right. Imagine you punching a hole in a wall in front of all your buddies or you breaking down and sobbing in front of all your buddies, which one are they going to be like, yeah, man, good for you. Yeah. Fuck that bitch. Yeah. 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 Or be like, Oh wow. Look at him. He's on the floor crying. This is weird. Right. We, we have to learn to skillfully and in a skillful container in a conscious container, release that pain. But man, I can tell you from running so many workshops, how quickly, like I got asked yesterday, how do you get a guy to the point where he's willing to cry in front of 10 strangers? And I was like, I don't have to do a damn thing. All I have to do is get 10 men in a room and say, okay, who's struggling right now? And five guys are ready to crack instantly because they're carrying so much pain. They've at no point in their lives been given permission to express it, been taught how to express it, and then to have been celebrated for expressing it. How many men do you know who after they've cried in front of 10 guys 
have had nine other guys go, wow, thank you for that. You just gave me permission to actually grieve the loss of my wife, grieve the loss of my daughter, grieve the fact that, you know, I blew my knee out in high school and now I'm never going to play pro football, which are things that the first two people like, oh, that's reasonable. The third one's reasonable too. We just have so, I, I can't protect my sister. I can't protect my friend. I can't protect myself, right? Like, oh, I got beat up as a, whatever it is, especially having parents who most likely weren't skilled in any of this either. If anybody's over 30, of, 30 years of age, they just weren't. It was a different paradigm. How many people watch their dad and mom fight and, and have felt hopeless, or dad hit their mom, or mom hit their dad, or mom left, or mom cheated, or dad. How many of you just felt helpless as a kid? And now, what do you know? You don't think you're good enough to take a job in Qatar, even though it's your dream job. Man, it's, I don't want this to be a plug for therapy, but go to therapy. Everybody listening to this, I hope you have 100% therapy like participation after this podcast. Why? Because it will make you better. And that's, it's like, how do we sell this to men? We're not like, well, therapy's great. You'll get to go cry on someone's couch and they'll tell you they feel better. Your whole life will be better. Your relationships will be better. Your sleep will be better. Your hormones will be different. You will deadlift more. You will run faster. You will make more money. But mostly you will not be part of the problem, which is, you, you know, like men are the part of the problem or a big part of the problem, man. Right? Like women aren't killing each other in record numbers. Granted, they're often a pain in the ass, but they're not out like shooting up schools. They're not beating the shit out of their partners. They're not raping people like it's a fucking sport. We are. And, and I'll challenge any guy to, to deny, to challenge that. Like, sure, show me the numbers. Killing ourselves, right? Drinking ourselves to death hurting ourselves in, in insidious ways like that. Like we need to stop this. We need to care about ourselves so that we can show up for our kids. So the next generation of people don't grow up with absent fathers, drunk fathers, traumatized fathers, abusive fathers, or uncles or neighbors or brothers or whatever it is. Right? We have to do this, man. Mm-hmm. My, my branding is like super aggressive and edgy. But what's underneath it is like, fuck, don't you guys see this? I can't be the only one who sees this. I'm not the only one who sees this. Men are in pain. And when women are in pain, what do they do? They usually, they like, well, first of all, they like attack each other on social media. But after that, they go inward. What do we do? We go outward. We want to beat the shit out of somebody. I'm in the US. Everybody has like five guns. We want to shoot somebody. We want to drive fast. We want to get in a fight. We want to create mayhem, right? That's what we want to hurt women. We want to hurt children. We want to hurt each other. That's what we do. All because we just won't say this one sentence. I am in pain. Yeah. So when we went back to my divorce, that sentence was what saved my life. Mm -hmm. Just being able to say it, Kevin, I'm being honest, like, I had a gun in the house. I had alcohol in the house. I remember thinking like, you're, this is, there's two, we're like a fork in the road here. There's a bottle of Jack Daniels and a pistol, or there's, there's a lot of hurt, but on the other side of that is freedom. Which way are we go in here? Yeah. 
right? And I think a lot of guys are facing that same challenge, maybe a couple steps back, not quite at that turning point. But man, imagine if if every guy in the world or every guy just in your country, if every male spent next year just working on their pain. That's it. That's it. You got one year. I mean, fuck, we all took last year off and like stayed home and played video games and were miserable. What if it was just like, hey, guess what? Everybody, 2022, we're all taking off and we're just going to work on our pain. Yeah. I think the world would be a radically different place. Yeah. Yeah, that would be pretty amazing. But of course, that is the more difficult choice, isn't it? And we're uh, bombarded with the easy options every fucking second of the day. As I mentioned, the distractions, the phone, the porn, the drink, the gambling, the uh, social outlets, even, you know, going to the gym, working out and and channeling your pain into into your training, which again, I've done as well, but uh, an absolutely futile uh, method of trying to uh, deal with your your trauma or pain. Whereas look, as you said, stop going um stop find, trying to find the answers in the external and the answers are yeah. internal and as you start to make changes to your internal life and, and start to fix some of those struggles your external life will will also reap the benefits of it so uh mm-hmm. Trevor man this has been fucking epic so uh thank you, thank you so yeah. much for sharing that with us and uh my pleasure for the listeners where where can they where can they find mm-hmm. you Everything that I offer is at manuncivilized.com. I think in the next two weeks, my book will actually be on Amazon, which will help for shipping to get it over to you guys. It's just, I've been the one selling it myself, Uh, but you can find it there. You can find courses there. You can find my group, the Uncivilized Nation, which is 264 men strong of guys who are doing this work together. One of the big pieces we haven't chatted about is men need men. We need brothers. You need someone that's sitting across from you that looks like you, smells like you, and is also like, wait a minute, he seems to be doing okay. And him, we learn from modeling each other. So Uncivilized Nation is there. Uh, Otherwise, I'm on Instagram at Traver Bohm, T-R-A-V-E-R-B-O-E-H-M. Those are really the two places that I hang out most. I have a podcast the uncivilized podcast uh and more to come and you've been in a couple <laughs> of ted talks as well which i forgot to mention yeah i spoke at ted the first time about that dark experience uh that was during that 2016 year i think i'd only been out of the room for two months when i was on a ted stage so that was wild uh, and then they brought me back in to speak a couple of years later about men and uh, what i was doing with all of it Cool, man. Excellent. Uh, brilliant work. So keep doing Thank you. and getting your message out there. And uh, hopefully someday we shall meet in Ireland. When Amen. Yeah. yeah. You can, yeah, yeah. 2042, brother. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Let's go for it. Trevor, my man, thank you so much. Until thank you. Time. I appreciate you letting me on. Cheers.